Hello everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, we have an interview with the photo director Owen Gale of House and Garden magazine. We talk about the role of picture editor in today's editorial world. Owen kindly runs us through the advice for photographers, the do's and don'ts of approaching publications, and how we learn by mistakes and how maintaining a growth mindset can lead to a sustained career. So sit back, enjoy. So Greg, you have known uh, Gail, Gail, sorry, <laughs> that's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> when you listen to the interview, you'll understand why, why I've just said that. But let me just start again. <laughs> Okay, right. So, Greg, you've known Owen a long time, right? You've you've actually worked with him for quite a few years. Uh, yeah, um, I have. So, for full disclosure, um, we we have worked together for a number of years in his capacity as photo director at House and Garden. Um, I can't remember when Owen first got me in on a job um, or, or why. Uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, we have done so for a number of years. So that does come up and. It's a little bit embarrassing for me because it feels like a teacher talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Greg; he was a very good pupil. <laughs> but um, but it's a, it's it's absolute cracker this one for anyone who's kind of interested in um, learning more about the editorial process, about uh, the the kind of the structure of magazines and and the role of the picture editor and the photo director. Um, Owen's, you know done a really wonderful interview a really candid chat which will is you know full of really good advice i think personally uh, it's the type of thing that i wish i'd had available to me when i was kind of first approaching magazines mm, same same i think i've yeah there's a lot of things to look out for and uh, you know owen very kindly addresses them so it's um i think what's also nice is you can hear owen's passion for photography and how he wants to look after photographers and talks about nurturing relationships and things like that and it's it's really nice i think in a world where we feel as photographers that people are constantly down on us or can constantly kind of almost anti-photographer that there are people like owen i I, i'm personally you know i've not worked with owen but i have worked with other you know photo editors and and commissioners who do share that level of passion um, and it's really nice to hear it hear it come across. Yeah, I think being able to get constructive feedback from somebody that is commissioning you is so important and unfortunately so often overlooked. And and largely that isn't due to a lack of willing. I think that's just due to um, people not necessarily always having the time to, to do it. Mm. Uh, and maybe it was something that was, you know, when, when back in the day when you would go into a magazine and deliver your images yourself or, or go to the lab, you would get that kind of feedback in person and nowadays you might be sat on the other side of the world just emailing your edit over so you're less likely to get it um but yeah i think that owen's chat really highlights that that can be so beneficial if you can make that uh, a part of your relationship with a commissioner then um you can really reap great benefits from it Mm -hmm. yeah i actually go for lunches with all my commissioners i try i try and take everyone who commissions me out for lunch it, it's a yeah it's fun i love a lot why you get a discount at subway these days no i was yeah right it's, it's kfc no i was just gonna say that's that's why i am the size i am i'm forever eating out <laughs> well let's um without further ado let's crack on and um let the listeners listen i hope you enjoy it guys let the listeners listen so on today's episode, we are very um, lucky to be joined by Mr. Owen Gale, 
uh, photo director at House and Garden magazine, which is uh, one of the Condé Nast titles. And um, yeah, he's going to talk to us a little bit about the role of the picture editor, photo editor, photo director, all the different titles that it has um, within the industry, and hopefully shed a little bit of light on the inner workings of a picture editor's mind. Owen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> um, could you could you perhaps start by telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about how you've kind of ended up where you are and uh, your journey and um, and what that entails? That's a very scary story to start with. Um, so uh, yeah, I um, I've been at House and Garden now for thirteen years. Um, I was. Uh, a picture editor or assistant picture editor rather on uh, Grand Designs magazine and other interiors magazine before that um, and then uh, before that I ran a picture library um, helped create a picture library uh, was a photographer and um, before that was an assistant for almost 10 years and then going back even further was at University of Falmouth um, so I'm kind of getting to the stage now where I'm starting to see it full circle, um, having done mm. so many of the roles within the industry that um, I think, you know, you can, you know, um, find a, a vocation in. So, um, yeah, that's that's my story so far, and I'm sticking that to is, it. That is quite a multifaceted set of skills that you've kind of managed to accumulate. It's all the same. I mean, it's, there, there are things that... Um, I guess skill sets that you learn with each with each specific role, um, but um, but essentially the same things kind of channel through it. Um, I'd love to say that I have you know I knew that I wanted to do this from year dot. That I mean my my dad was uh, a very keen photographer um, and gave me a camera when I was five, which I um, I, I shot uh, thirty five pictures of my mates on a thirty six roll of film and then shot one picture up the Cutty Sark mast. Um, he asked me to take one picture without any people in it, and that was the shot I did. And and I actually managed to get it pretty much square, which <laughs> you know anyone who works in interiors knows how important getting everything square is. So or architecture. So, um, and I think that may have had some you know some bearing on my life but um he was very proud of me and printed it up in his dark room and um you know and i think since that that moment and all of my childhood of being you know absorbing so much from him um it did kind of lead me down that path but i do i you know i'm a i'm not the sort of person who who makes great strides to be this is what i'm going to do and that's how i'm going to do it i've been really lucky and i've fallen into pretty much everything that's happened to me but um you know, it, it, it's kind of part of being a photographer. You have to be a little bit lucky, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah. Is, <laughs> is it fair to say that you, you've, you're, you've had like a, um, since uh, that early days and you've had a, a lifelong love of, of photography and all the aspects it's, around it? It's, it's always been there. Um, that and music, I sort of... I sort of divide my time between those two things and um my dad was the same so i am i really am a chip off the old block but um uh, i do have to interrupt you here and say for our listeners at home that can't see you right now you are sat in what looks like 
a space station. You're surrounded by... It's very impressive. It's very impressive. (laughs) Mixing decks, uh, keyboards, stuff that I wouldn't even begin to know how to operate. Yeah, part of my other skill set is working with music, So, uh, but that's much more of a uh, a hobby than a vocation. (laughs) But, um, But, yeah, no, certainly photography is, you know... 50% 50% of me and straight down the middle. And, um, and I think, uh, I think had dad chosen something else, you know, uh, um, he only, sadly he had an accident. He only had one leg, so he could never play football with me. So it was always going to be something else. Um, and, and that was <laughs> what he was into. So, uh, and now being a father myself, I know, you know, it's really, it's quite, it's really interesting watching your children learn the things that you know and teaching them. Uh, mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, it definitely, it's always been there, but I didn't, I didn't, I lost it for a long time. And then at, at 16, um, I, I got really, you know, I got really lucky, I suppose. One of the first times I got, I got lucky, I got unlucky and then I got lucky. Um, I walked into, uh, the A-level photography class at Harlow college and, um, asked to speak to the course leader and he told me in no no uncertain terms to get the f out um oh. in front of oh. of my peers and uh very interestingly uh, a, a lovely gentleman called craig fordham who is a fantastic fashion photographer um and a and a good friend of mine um ran after me who he'd just started that week um teaching he just qualified from bournemouth and he said come on you know come on back and and sort of cajoled me and 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 sort of said you know look let's have a look at what you got and and took me under his wing and and actually managed to somehow get me a place at Falmouth um and I don't know really know how he did it but he did it and um you know and, and that's that's just one story in so many where I've just been really really lucky and just met the next person who's opened a door for me and you know photography is kind of like that it's full of people that are like you guys doing this it's full of people that are actually willing to um support other people when I first started this job I always thought that you'd invite loads of photographers to a party and they would stand in all the corners of the room and never speak to each mm. other It'd always be you know um at house and garden we have an a, a almost annual um collaborators um sorry contributors drinks party and um you know I always thought at the beginning that would be all of them waiting for their turn with me you know <laughs> and um come over say hello thank you for the year and then goodbye but actually it's 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 not like that uh, and it's something we've built that i'm really proud of uh, house and garden that the photographers feel like they're part of a, a family in some respects but part of a bigger you know bigger thing that the you know we see them all on equal terms and um you know i i, I really like that mm. that's a really nice so, touch really nice touch yeah, For some of our listeners who are perhaps a bit kind of, um, uh, I don't know, maybe starting out in their journey in their career, I think the the idea, obviously, editorial is is a market which is changing. So they might not necessarily have too much of a clear idea of what what a picture editor actually does, what it, what, a, what a, your job kind of entails. So obviously, you touched on it there in the sense of of having that network. But can you go a bit more into that and and explain a little bit more? Yeah, it, it, it changes. I mean, I, you know, again, I've, I've been really lucky. I've, I've worked on two magazines um, and or three magazines, sorry. Um, and um, 
so not that many i'm not you know i'm not one of these um, photography people that's moved around from from spot to spot and picked up loads of skills from one and and, and some from another i've learned a lot within the roles that i've been given um but from you know from grand designs and for homes magazine to to uh, house and garden was a it's a drastic shift and 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 i uh, i was much more in charge of working spontaneously um or, or i was forced to work more spontaneously with grand designs because we were always working on the, the next issue and with house and garden it's much more of a, a longer arc we we shoot a lot of stuff in the summer and um in the spring summer and autumn um and really then bed down for the winter and wait for the brighter days to come again and it's it's much um it's it's a very different process but i mean to to give you the nuts and bolts of what i do at the moment and this will be different for every picture editor you know you you have a different hierarchy in your magazine as well you know um you know i have a, a direct line manager my art director and she and i um work really closely together and and i couldn't do my job without her i quite i you know i really enjoy having that feedback it's a really helpful thing to have Mm -hmm. um so that there's that to be mindful of and every magazine is different some of them the picture editors don't commission the uh, the photography at all they don't really have a say in who's going to choose the photographers the art director or the creative director will do that and they see that as that their role and you know i'm i'm just you know again really lucky that um that my art director jenny lister is um you know there every step of the way and we we decide those things together um because and and we've got a, you know well, i hope a really good track record now of doing it all right you know but that i have a a, a sense i do have a, a a certain amount of autonomy over what i do so i am there to pretty much commission the photography for the magazine um but i only look after certain aspects of it so i'm mainly involved in um commissioning the photographers for the house shoots and the lifestyle shoots and the portrait shoots mm -hmm. um, and any major features um and i don't unlike other magazines have an assistant um i i work on my own um and i i think the you know that's another thing that changes magazine to magazine like i certainly know one of the other titles within the group they have someone that looks after all the commissioning and someone that looks after you know picture research and um additional images for commissioned features and you know the nuts and bolts the single pages in the magazine um and i i do all of pretty much all of that as well mm -hmm. so, so it's quite a full-on job <laughs> yeah it sounds it it sounds it <laughs> yeah that's that's the the simple stuff and then there is all of the other stuff so looking after you know the photographic budgets there is looking after rights issues there's looking after you know the um i suppose the the freaky amount of spreadsheets that we have which scares oh. me on a daily basis but um <laughs> you know updating all of those things making sure that everything is where people need you know where people can find it so when you are looking to either bring photographers on or or particular choose a particular photographer for a commission what is your kind of what's your thought process and is there do you like it when people approach you do you approach people 
that you've kind of searched and found or uh and you know your little black book how often do you kind of refresh it or do you t- kind of take a look at it and go well actually that guy's moved on or you know maybe give this guy a go and and things like that what what's the process um i've I, I mean we've got a you know we've got a very very good little family of of people that we you know we work with at house and garden and and it, as i say i've been there 13 years so you know i'm i'm pretty um i'm pretty keen to keep everyone going and and uh, you know we we occasionally bring someone in jen is much more hot than i am about um getting like fresh people's names in the magazine i i'm much more you know produce better work from the people that you've got um but um it's not it's not just about you know the whole thing of um you know you're only as good as your last job i don't believe in that i think um i think you you nurture people um Mm -hmm. and i think you make the photographers that you have already got a very good relationship with better um Mm. that's part of your you know your job your your um you know you're essentially a bit of a uh, i've said this to greg before many times but um, you're a bit of a bridge as a a bit of conduit as a photographer you're feeding information uh, as a photographic editor rather you're feeding information from the photographer back to the people at the magazine and you're also you know feeding information from the magazine to them and trying to put it into a, a language that they understand and if something fails on a shoot it's it it isn't their fault is it you know everyone right it's a bit of a cliche but everyone does rise and fall together i think you know you you make it as good as possible beforehand and you take the time doing that and then um and uh, and and really make them better but you know going i'm i'm digressing but going back to your <laughs> um your your initial um your initial point i think um i think you know we 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 approach people based on you know who we who we know that you know who <clears throat> who's going to who's going to bring something out of this that that we wouldn't expect who's going to bring something out of this that we would expect mm-hmm. um you know it depends really uh, on it's a case by case basis it's very it's very uh, subject specific mm-hmm. um you know i think when when we're shooting a portrait we can we can be a little bit more I, you know, I I would never probably when I started have pegged Greg as a photographer that would work for us. But looking at you know, and one thing I always feel bad about whenever I I commission him is I feel like well he's not going Mac two in a fighter jet, so you know he's probably not working <laughs> on this very interesting. But you know that's the that's the amazing thing about him is that you know, and I I really admire this in photographers is the ones who who are are really prepared to get their hands dirty and you know and and that's where i think it kind of goes both ways because they be, i hope that be, because i'm helping them enough they will help me in return so i can't mm-hmm. obviously give everyone a you know a ferrari to photograph sometimes i have to give them a morris minor mm-hmm. and and it's about them having the you know fleet of foot you know quick mind whatever you want to call it um to be able to work with that and and show their skills as a photographer um mm-hmm. i think that's really where you earn your spurs uh because the ones 
the ones who 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 can produce when the situation in front of them is not giving them everything is are the, are the ones with the most um well, the most attributes as far as i'm mm. concerned i think it's interesting actually your point there because ultimately in 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 the the strength comes from the relationship and the feedback and that's not always something that you find with um who you're lucky enough to find with clients is um a client who is in a position to and is willing to and has the time and is willing to make the time to actually give constructive feedback which helps elevate both of your positions and your roles and the way that you approach the work um and i yeah again i know from previous experience of having worked with you is is that's something that i really appreciate and you don't always get elsewhere i don't know I mean, Tom, you will have had that, I'm sure, with certain picture editors uh, that you work with. Um, mm-hmm. But it's probably more rare than it is common, I think, in the industry. Do you think? Yeah, I, I think, I think it is. I, I think people are so busy that the ability to do that actually becomes quite restricted. It's a luxury. Yeah. Oh, very, yeah, very much so. And normally, when it happens, it's because we're out having lunch. Or something like that. It's it's not something you ring up and just say you got five minutes, because mm. no one's got five minutes. But if you can, you know, make time to have lunch and stuff, then then is the time you normally get it. But they're quite yeah. rare. So okay, I think lunch is lunch is a great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, it's a nice time for you to be away from your desk, and also you're in a neutral space. So you know, the photographer doesn't feel like he's got a. You know, he can he can really tell you what's going on. And I, I would really, you know, I really want that. I really want mm. that feedback and I really want to understand what they're going through on our shoots. In shooting interiors is such a, you know, I've done, I've done, I've been shooting in and around interiors, interiors since 1996 when I graduated from Falmouth. Mm-hmm. And I was never destined to be an interiors person. But like, you know, luckily, uh, Craig, that same photographer, introduced me after me bugging him for ages to be his assistant, uh, introduced me to a, 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 an amazing interiors photographer called Ray Main. And, um, you know, I think, I think that whole, that whole relationship. I completely lost my train of thought. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it was no, it was game was good. I was enthralled. <laughs> I was going to tell you a story about how I met Ray, but then I've realised that's really not what you're asking me. <laughs> oh dear. Really no, I, we enjoy the stories. The stories are good. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I'll tell you that story, and you can you can you can edit it as you wish. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think um, I think you know, I I then went and met Ray and um. Ray started me on a road um, with interiors and was very specific about the way that he wanted to do things. I mean, this is we were working on five four and um, and with an RB uh, mainly, but also you know shooting a lot of Polaroids and you know it it was a very different um, and and thorough training that I had mm. so I think you know try with someone uh, I mean I hate to use you as an example Greg but you're right in front of me so I'm going to use you as an example oh, but like with but here, with, we, here with, we go <laughs> with, 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 with someone like you know with with someone like Greg where um you know he's predominantly we saw him initially as a portrait guy he's now like I think blossoming a little bit on the interiors and, and, he, and he and he he hates it but He's he's kind of gaining another skill, 
like something that might down the road. I mean, I'm not saying it's always going to be what we'll we'll get him to do for us, but he works for House and Garden. It's always going to be part of the, the remit for us. But yeah. um, but he's 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 you know broadening his skill set with with every time he has to do something, and and I think I think um, one of the most amazing things is when we we learn to to do something difficult when we find something really really difficult it 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 changes our dna a little bit and we and we we get into an uncomfortable situation that we're not happy with and photography when you're starting out is a lot of uncomfortable situations you know it's a Mm. lot of like oh god i don't know how to call that person i don't know what to say i don't know how to talk to them i don't know how to email them what can i do to get noticed and all of those things are really uncomfortable, but they are the things that will make you better. And, mm-hmm. and and that's what Ray always taught me. It's the, you know, he's the guy that came up with the Morris Minor and the Ferrari principle, which is simply that, you know, you can, you can take pictures of a Ferrari and make it look beautiful because it's a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not everyone likes Ferraris, but like, you know, um, but, but the, you know, the principle is that you take pictures of a, of a, a not so beautiful car and make that look, beautiful now Mm. you're starting to learn your craft and Mm. you know um when i when i left college i i I wanted to be a conceptual photographer i wanted to go and i was going to make photo books and you know i was going to be you know the next Jan Dibbitz or the next um you know um i was kind of thinking about becoming the next andy goldsworthy at one point but um but i i i met ray and ray just beat all that out of me and what he then also taught me was um the business how to talk to people just mimicking him and how to talk to people on the phone and how to be with your clients i mean you know i've never met you tom before today but i you know i instantly get that feeling from you the moment you talk to me well that's no that's very I, kind I, that is that is something that that you know i think i think people when they they they're younger and they're less experienced you know they should they should just understand that by living a little bit and by getting things wrong and all of those cliches you'll actually you know you'll grow a little bit each time put yourself into those difficult scenarios whether you're young and or old even Mm -hmm. perhaps more important when you're old because you know my other fear is photographers getting stuck in their ways and and not really wanting to move their work on becoming too comfortable yeah yeah and 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 i've i've faced a really difficult lots of difficult decisions when i first got to house and garden about the people that were working there and 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 they there were lots of photographers i i inherited and i managed to keep for a few years but i felt there were some that um you know really didn't really want to do it anymore or Mm. didn't really want it enough and there were so many people that really did want it enough Mm. they made they made that choice, you know, the choice for, for Jen and myself a lot, you know, easier, but it was still very difficult. It's, it's hard saying, you know, or choosing people over other people. I lose sleep over it all the time. Don't think I don't. <laughs> yeah. There's that real thing with photography though, that there's almost like, um, 
you need to maintain that kind of childlike way of looking at the world in, in, in that childlike wonder to be able to maintain the excitement. Because ultimately, if you want to be creative and thinking creatively, you need to be going in and seeing something in a, in a, almost with fresh eyes, don't you? And I guess at some point, some people in their career get to a point where they stop seeing the world like that and they can't therefore then get the motivation to actually I deliver think, something above and beyond. I think, um, you know, people have paths that they, they've travelled many times and it's very easy to choose those non you know the 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 path of least resistance is a great mm. you know it's a great expression because that resistance training is <clears throat> what actually makes us better it's like deferred gratification like the the bit that you do today that really hurts the run you go for it's always going to feed back into what you do tomorrow and the next day and i think um i think mm. you know photography and photographers who are successful seem to be able to find new ways of looking at things not mm-hmm. every day but they are aware when they have become you know they've plateaued and they need to do something differently and i you know i love all the ones that really they tell me their stories and i learn from that you know mm. so, so yeah yes yeah, it's, it's it's interesting you say that i i feel in a weird way not not quite to that extent but i felt that with lockdown is i've been able to come out of my work almost take a massive great look at what i was doing and and realizing that i maybe hadn't been pushing myself uh in a the maybe the quite right direction but also not as pushing myself as hard as i'd wanted to be kind of working um not that i was being distracted or anything but i think when you can come back and i think a lot of the old guys never really take a step back and look at their work and things but for me, it's been it's been fantastic. Obviously, lockdown's not been ideal, but it has been nice to well, kind of have that realization. Yeah, I mean, you've either reappraised your work or you've or you've reappraised your garden. I've I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what most of the photographers that I know have been doing. They've either been completely redoing their garden or their house. Um, yeah. Uh, or or the ones who are lucky enough to live with a model. Now they are, you know, they're 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 earning the big bucks right now. They're they're off the off the scale, um, you know, in work at the moment. Whereas the the rest of them, sadly, are still not not back at it. You know, it's a very it's a very interesting time. That's uh, so on that kind of vein. Then this is interesting. You're talking about the kind of um, people perhaps getting to a point where they lose a little bit of motivation and they become a bit stagnant. Are there any other common mistakes that you see? um photographers making uh and, and more specifically inexperienced kind of photographers making is there anything that you would say is your do's and don'ts <laughs> from a picture editor's point of view I mean, it's, good to... got, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's okay though you know it's not like i'm i sit back and in my ivory tower and just chuckle manically to myself <laughs> you've you've gone way too wide angle on that and you're right, <laughs> you know the uh, was like the camera's on the floor you know um no i um i i try to um respond to every email i try i really try in fact in recent years i've i've definitely not been as good as i was when i started and and that's one thing that i you know that's my resistance training when i go back i've I've said to myself i need to start nurturing some of the you know some of the new photographers that that have contacted me 
I think one of the main mistakes, I mean, there are lots of technical mistakes in interiors mm. that people make, you know, mm. not thinking about the height of the camera is a, is, a, is a big one for me, shooting everything really wide angle so it barrels and, you know, it just looks awful. Um, and not thinking about the placement of furniture. Um, you know, my, my greatest piece of advice to any... Um, any aspiring interiors photographer is, you know, put the camera down, get it at the, you know, the right height. And that I'm not going to tell you what the right height is. You have to work it out for yourself. All right. And you'll get mm -hmm. it, but then let the room, the bones of the room, you can't change the architect, the architecture. You can't change you know, the walls. You can't move those, but you can move all of the things within it. So find the shot that works well with the architecture and then start moving the furniture. Mm -hmm. and 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 again don't be scared of when you change angle to do another cross shot to move tweak the furniture again you know obviously you need some continuity but like those things are really important not having furniture too close is that you know is another thing for me but i think there are so many things that i get presented with from photographers you know from their approach they you know they might they might send in an, an email thinking the best thing to do is tell a joke or you know um try and be really you know crazy or try and catch my attention by sending me a picture of a naked girl or you know or they are they Glad are you got my email yeah yeah tom um <laughs> I, I know i never replied it's part of my resistance training so you're on my list um no i think um i think one of the one of the things that I'm always amazed about, and one of the things I learned very early on was trying to do my homework. Mm. Like, to pick up a copy, you know, you want to get into House and Garden, read it, mm -hmm. pick it up, yeah. look at the pictures, read it sideways, like we all do. Like, oh, who shot that? <laughs> look, look that photographer up, ring that photographer up, say, you know, I really love what you do. I wonder if I could come and help you, you know, they all mm -hmm. say no nine times out of 10, <laughs> but then there'll be one who'll kind of go, Oh God, yes, I need an assistant. Are you free on so-and-so? And that'll be it. Mm -hmm. You know, like again, another cliche about this profession, but like, I honestly, you know, think that, you know, the best way to learn is from people who, who've done it and they will tell you their story. They may not be the only voice you, you need to listen to, but, um, but I really, I really think you do learn, you, you absorb a lot from that experience and being in the situations where you haven't got the pressure, where mm. you haven't got to make those decisions that you'll watch someone else make them and, and fall or rise based on what they decide. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, not doing your homework and when, before you contact a picture editor, um, is, is kind of, is, 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 is a little bit crazy because, you know, some people, they, they're, they're sports photographers. And they email me asking for work. And I'm kind of a bit like, well, you know, last time I looked, I didn't have that much in the way of surf photography. No offense, Greg. Um, <laughs> uh, in the magazine. So um, which bit were you, you know, were you really keen to be? Which part of the magazine, you, you know, and that's one of the questions I tend to ask people, you know, which bit mm. of the magazine did you, did you see yourself in? And, uh, that Sorry, Greg's just ridden off in his Harley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly surprised that people don't 
pay more or give that more of their time and actually make it, you know, slow down, like slow down mm. with everything, slow down with, okay, what do I want to say? And then, and then, yeah, Greg, did you not get the memo about being it being a really quiet environment and then switching your phone to... That's the alarm on the Harley, isn't it? <laughs> um, have, I got, have I got to we do everything around? Cut that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I leave it in. I'm the guy who cuts it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, so... is, it is an interesting one, though, Evan. I, th- I, think, I think photographers, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure Greg at some point has done it. We've all done it. Because we see that our technical skills can be applied anywhere we just assume that we can shoot it whereas actually that's not the case with a lot of things and i i do think there's kind of a lot of people who who'll just reach out and go well yeah i do sports stuff but obviously i can shoot interiors yeah but they don't you know uh, (laughs) the moments that you browse an email or click on a link um and and it's funny one of the photographers that works for me now um it was it was ironic the way that he kind of came about because it was actually his agency sending me something like that. Right. They sent a mail shot and it was nothing to do with house and garden style photography. And I just looked and I was like, why have they even, I'm going to look at, you know, I clicked on the link just to look them up and see what they were all about. And, and, and I thought, Oh, they're a U.S. agency and they weren't, they were British. And, and then by default, I clicked on the next name and it was, it was a gentleman that now has worked for me for five or six years. And, and so it was kind of, you know, fortuitous in some respects that, that they had sent that link, but you know, that there was no thought about that. They didn't pick the right person to, or the right, the back, the mm. right horse, so to speak, to send it to house and garden. And that's an agent. So, you know, I, I understand that the photographers are probably, I guess they've got a lot to think about when they're approaching someone, but that would be my first piece of advice. And main one is that have a, have a, you know, look me up, look this podcast up. Listen yeah. to Oh, definitely. Definitely on. look this podcast up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me ramble on about nonsense for, you know, mm. an hour. And then, um, and then, you know, perhaps curtail whatever you were going to send to me um, to fit. But I think, you know, like when, when people come and see us and, they've got that far i mean we're pretty we're pretty quiet about you know when we get people in it's most likely we're going to use them you know it's it's pretty once you get to that stage we do a lot of we we you know i'll look um or you know the team will will all look you know we have a really great art team i'm really lucky to work with them all and i you know um they're they're a lot of fun to work with but like they all have a really vested opinion about the photographers as well and it's really it's something that i've really learned to uh trust and Mm. um and they've proved me you know they proved themselves right so many times about things where i've been a bit unsure they have they have um been been right about something so it's a committee thing but like when we get people in they're fairly sure that they're going to work for us unless they turn up and they haven't really edited their work and i think that's one of the greatest it's kind of it's it's a it's a real art editing your work i think Mm. Um, and trying to be you know walk a mile in my shoes work out what i'm gonna like and 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 i think that all goes that all goes back to looking at the magazine you know because that's Mm -hmm. where i i 
make my judgment calls and in, in in that's the stamp that's the final part of the journey for that picture it's come out in the magazine it's in print and we're looking at the repro and you know we either we're either successful well well we're, i think we're always successful but like um you know if if there are certain things that we didn't quite get right then i'm i'm feeding that back up to you know my my teacher element of my personality is feeding it back to the the wizard element at the at the front of the chain thinking about who we could work with that would be better in that scenario or how we could get that person to do something differently next time so mm-hmm. um yeah i i think um i think looking at that final product is really is a great first step for anyone in who's trying to get a foot in the door anywhere um yeah why wouldn't you it's the first thing you do well, you'd think that. I don't think a lot of people do, though. I think a lot of people have a copy and paste email that they just fire out to whoever. They just type in picture editor publication name and fire out a generic. Probably you probably received emails in the past that don't even have your name in. They a lot of them are addressed to Gail. Gail, fabulous thing having a surname that's a first name, um, especially if you're American. Americans, <laughs> they love yeah. they love to call me Gail. So what I generally I might start doing that, <laughs> you can do that Greg, Greg, um, you can do that. I'll let you do that if you want. You can call me anything you like. Just make sure you get the picture in focus. Okay, Gail, darling. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Does always strike me the the amount of emails that even I mean I'm I'm obviously not as well known as yourself, but for for me I get I get emails and you. The, fr- the most frustrating one is when I get an email and it's in a different color and mm. and you go, they say, dear Tom or Tom or Tom. I've had a couple ad- addressed to me, T-H-O-M. I mean, I don't know many Toms who spell it like that, but they they <laughs> that's in black text and then everything below is in purple where they've just copied and pasted it. And you go, well, well I'm not going to. I do actually, I'm the same as you. I do reply to absolutely every email I get from people who want to assist or people who want advice. And I use, you might look into this, there's an app called Text Expander. It will save you billions of hours by pre-deleting pre and pre-writing lovely snippets that you can then personalize. It, Yeah, it's good. For anyone who's listening, textexpander.com, probably. <laughs> Tom's this podcast brought to you by Text Expander. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating that I think a lot of people just don't do their homework, but I don't it's almost a waste of just everyone's time because you're not going to pick them. Yeah. I think it's something that that that's a a good, a good rule of thumb. Start with, start with that one. Let's not think about all the people that do it wrong. Let's think about the people that haven't thought about it yet and might do it right. And, you know, I hope, I hope that people in the world that is insanely fast now, just spend a bit of time with things and actually, you know, a magazine is actually something to spend a bit of time with and, I think it's a skill that we're losing, and I think it's really important that um, that people, you know, do take time because your profession, like, you know, especially photography, is if you want, you know, you want to get my ear, then mm. you know, I think, um, I mean, I I was always brought up that if you, you know, if email's a wonderful thing, like, don't get me wrong, but I was I was saying to Greg today, I said I think it's time that we that we should someone should revisit email 
than think about what you know what works and what doesn't because it's incredibly frustrating as much as it's helpful and it's part of our day-to-day life you know i was brought up ringing people up and that's one of the things i love doing you know more than anything is talking to people on the phone it's like you get so much more accomplished um and and i you know i'm i'm much keener to spend time on the phone i you know one of the things that i really love is when i tell a photographer that i don't think they're going to be a fit for house and garden Mm -hmm. and then they spectacularly prove me wrong in the next you know supplement i pick up on a saturday and sunday and they do something so spellbinding that i am forced to then backtrack and go you know what i said i was absolutely wrong i really think you could actually do something for us and that's happened Mm. a few times um and you know in the time that i've been doing this and um yeah it's really good it's really kind of grounding that that and um and i'm digressing again i'm sorry but like no no, carry on going out and shooting again Mm. like that's what like i'm now taking a lot of pictures for our website and shooting a lot of houses again and you know one of the things that's it's great to walk a mile in photographer's shoes again and i really appreciate what they do for you and you know it's not it's not for us to you know i say you know when i get the copy of the magazine i sit back and i don't think well we've done an amazing job there you know well back slapping and and whatnot i think a lot of that that love and that kind of that pride is in the photographers and the things that they've achieved and that we've hopefully you know um paid them well enough for paid them on time for you know given them the support that they need to create those things and the the feeling of happiness and belonging um that they can go out and they can feel confident when they work for us um and i think um you know, I, I hope other, I'm sure other photo editors get that as well, but I think a lot of them are so busy that, that, that those margins for actually feeling like that get less and less and less with, with each, you know, I certainly know from my um, colleagues at Condé Nast that with, you know, the world changing the way it is that they are getting more and more squeezed, you know, in terms of their, the bandwidth that they have time for that. Um, and, and I, I really want to make sure we hold on to that as long as we can at House and Garden because it works for us. That slow, you know, that slow editorial, the thoughtful process, the, you know, it really works for World of Interiors as well. And I'm, you know, I'm, I love the fact that they are so keen to stick to their tradition um, of producing things slowly, working with film um, and working with their look and not trying to move with the times producing their thing and that's what i think we do at house and garden i think we are a more commercial magazine perhaps a commercially minded magazine perhaps than them but um i think we managed to sort of evolve and we, we haven't really had a massive change in the way it looks in a number of years but i think it's definitely feels you know uh, modern but uh, traditional at the same time oh god that sounded terrible it <laughs> <laughs> sounded awful god don't no. we put that in <laughs> well i'd i'd like to i'd like to kind of follow that up though i mean 
it's interesting what you're saying about just to go back a little bit it's interesting what you're saying about kind of work walking a mile in 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 a photographer's shoes i mean at the beginning of my career in photography i interned at the sunday times under monica Allende and uh sunday times magazine and i did that partly because i wanted to see what what went on and behind you know those kind of the the walls at whopping as they were then um and yeah it was it was a fascinating way to get an insight into that and to learn and i think it's super important and that's partly what this podcast is really about is trying to kind of um produce an element of transparency which i feel sometimes isn't there in the photographic industry because the more that we understand each other's roles the more that we can actually work to service those needs and everyone basically benefits from that but yet because it's such a funny industry and the way that it's very closed off and kind of the walled garden in so many ways it becomes difficult to penetrate what your role is compared to my role and how I can do my job better that would make your life easier etc etc which is partly why we have somebody like yourself on today um but moving on from that I'd, I'd be super keen to to know you know you were talking about the way that house and garden have um maintained um the way that they've done things I mean obviously the industry is changing and editorial market is shrinking and it has been for a while um, at the same time, there are probably more magazines on the shelves than there ever have been in some ways. You know, there are smaller magazines, smaller independent magazines. Where do you see the kind of edi- editorial industry going and the role, I guess, of because the, the role of the picture editor is super important in editorial magazines. And I think it still should be super important in wherever it goes next. But do you have any insight on on? on what direction that is i mean obviously lots of stuff is moving online but is there do you feel like we're really using that to its full extent to its full um, capacity what using online to to its full extent? yeah um it feels to me I, like the you know a few years ago there was a whole movement to kind of get magazines on ipads and that was kind of like what everyone wanted to do and then it never really worked that well like there were some that looked amazing but how many people well, we're, do you we're see really, doing no, engagement? we're really we're really lucky um you know I, uh, again me being saying that i'm really lucky but i think we as a magazine are, are very lucky that we have a, a fiercely loyal readership um for starters that you know that love getting the magazine um mm. and so you know we're i think you know global ad revenues dropping slowly incrementally um we've been we've kind of i mean we we've kind of not really had to worry so much about that um we've done pretty much all right <laughs> i think um we've been lucky uh, whereas a lot of other magazines perhaps has haven't and and so it's a difficult one for me to answer i mean we've also you know got a, a, a an incredibly successful like you know website um you know the 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 big drive i suppose for all t- um titles is to try and balance things up to get back to where you know revenues were perhaps 15 20 years ago um and i think um i don't know if that's achievable um with the online model I, and but i always think that there is going to be some need for house and garden um and also some need for 
picture editors. I don't, I think the job is going to change, but all jobs mm. change. Photographers are going to have to change in the next, you know, 40 years. But I, I honestly believe that the printed form, you know, it, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a massive record collector and um, I've watched records go through the fearful period that they did when Steve Jobs had that bright idea. And, um, and, and then all of a sudden, here I am in 2020 buying more music on vinyl than I buy on MP3. And I'm absorbing and consuming music in the way that I did when I was a much younger man. <laughs> but um, but in in sense of the, having the physical, um, I like the fact that we produce a magazine that is very high high quality, you know, super high quality. So when people pick it up, they know they've got something that's really worth the money that they've spent on it. Um, in the same way that I look at, you know, one of a gatefold 180 gram vinyl album i'm willing to spend much more on that mm -hmm. because it's a physical thing that i'm going to keep and people do keep house of gardens for, for a very very long time and it's you know and for some people it, it's it's really it's really important to them to take the time to read the magazine and they absorb it i think in a in a different way than they absorb the website it's like what i was saying about long form articles i think i think that the, the the internet is becoming so phone flicky you know uh for want of a better expression but like you know you're yeah, you not, need to work on that expression yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i know phone flicky i'm not sure it's going to catch on well you say that you <laughs> say that all i'll say is google all right <laughs> touche all right um but but um you know, I think I think because you, you know, I, as I said, I'm shooting a lot of things for the, the the website, and you know, for me, it's heartbreaking when they say, "I don't worry about you know it being um, high res," you know, because everyone's just going to read it on their phone, and then you just think about your people just scrolling up and paging through your pictures like that, uh, and and not dwelling on them like they do a beautiful DPS in in the magazine you know you, you you know you have there's two things and they serve two different markets and that's an instant dopamine fix isn't it for everyone who wants a little bit of you know interiors in their life they can go onto the website and they can flick and you know we've just i think this week we hit a million instagram followers uh, or something like that i think it, either that or i mean i think we've got several trillion facebook followers now i mean it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> so i think um also us being you know a, a very established and old magazine you know we're going to be 75 very soon and um you know i think i think that counts for a lot of people and i think um it means a lot it means a lot to me and one of the things that when i first got to the magazine i i loved was how important it was to the people that worked for it it was mm -hmm. it was everything it was kind of like manchester united was to alex ferguson you know no one is bigger than the club and mm -hmm. and that's the way that um it was sort of that knowledge was given to me like that and mm -hmm. i've always held it very dearly um that you know we we've, we've been given this thing to look after and we and look after it we must until the next person comes along to look after it and you know, I, I hope... think that's a really important point. It's that sense of in a world full of saturated with so much information and so much kind of 
opinion. People are actually crying out to get their opinions and their facts and their news stories and whatever it might be from sources that they trust. And actually, the the for want of a better term, the heritage brands, you know, the brands that have been around for a while, that have delivered that for a while, that have the history of delivering that, shouldn't be trying to pander too much to become, you know, big on all these new platforms. Obviously, they need to have a presence there, but they need to maintain a level of integrity. And I guess that's what you're talking about to some extent of what House and Garden have managed to do and a lot of other Condé Nast titles have managed to do is maintain a level of integrity when I when yeah. I first had my very first picture meeting with Sue Crew, who was the editor at the magazine for almost a quarter of a century, um, she she looked me very sternly in the eye and said, "We shoot the best of their type." All right. Now that may not mean you know much to anyone else, but whatever it is, it is the best. Mm-hmm. If it be a house and a particular style of house, it's the best type of that particular style you know it's the best example of that particular style Mm -hmm. and that was literally my you know my education my house and garden education that we produce this thing that we you know it is going to be like that because we have decided that's the you know that's the right path to take because we know because we have all of the history behind us to rely on to give us you know those building blocks um, or mm. of knowledge that we need to make that decision, and um, uh, I think um, I think I'm I'm uh, I'm incredibly proud of you know what little blocks we've built in the 13 years that you know that that um, you know I certainly the art team that I'm with now um, and my lovely art director like you know we've done that together. She joined about uh, two months before me, and um, you know. She, I was her very first appointment. She's regretted it every day of her life ever since. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we've made some really good things. And I think, you know, I think we will continue to do that thing as, you know, to the best of our ability. And um, and we'll, we'll do the website in exactly the same way. It's like our DNA. It's printed everywhere. And even though we might have a different voice for our website, it's a slightly you know it is a different approach it still comes from people who are on the magazine so they know all of that and they know all of that 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 history and they present it in a way that they think is going to work very well for the people who desire things in shorter form and desire things quickly and and need those dopamine hits so you know i think that well it's already proven to be a massive success i mean you know it's um it's yeah, I guess it, whatever the 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 magazine world changes into, or you know um, becomes in the next forty years, every approach from House and Garden will follow that path. It will be the best mm. of its type, and um, mm-hmm. you know I don't know whether I'll be there to do it, but I hope I will. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice if I could if I could carry on for a few more years. <laughs> Well, that's um, I mean, that's a, a lovely place to to leave it. Before we we totally sign off, we have two standard questions that we tend to kind of ask our guests. Owen, um, it's the bit that we snicked from Desert Island Discs. I've actually <laughs> dreaded this bit. So oh, have you? <laughs> yeah, it's very, no, it's very difficult you... for me to answer have this one. 
good well, <laughs> i like to see you sweat um yes. so yeah obviously favorite photo book or your desert island photo book let's not say favorite yeah um and your desert island camera which ones would you take with you well there there is a the the, the photo book is 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 the difficult question um mm. simply because you know i've had I've had one book since I was at Falmouth College of Art, which I fell in love with when I was there. I never uh, followed that style of photography, but um, but yeah, I um, I really, really loved I loved his work because he was the kind of the cooler version of Martin Parr, because uh, Martin Parr came to lecture at at Falmouth when I was there. And I I wanted him to be this really fascinating photographer, and um, and it was probably one of the most boring lectures I've ever been in, and mm. that's no disrespect to him at all. But like it just it just didn't float my boat when I was you know I was a younger, probably much more juvenile man. But the one the one book that was around then that did have something interesting and edgy for me was Nick Woplington's Living Room. Um, I. I loved that book um, so much and I've loved it for so long. But as I've grown older, um, another book has kind of taken over and, um, and that's um, Vivian Meyer's book. So, ah, yes. The, is this the one that came out? Yeah. It's, it's the one that was, I mean, it's got, I think there's been more than one now, hasn't there? I think Probably. so. It's the first book that comes out, and the name of it escapes me, but I know the cover. I've got it downstairs. It, it is utterly beautiful, that book. It really is. It's You look at those images, and there's just everything that makes you fall in love with film and nostalgia and Americana and observation and street photography and just, ah. Oh. Now, am I right in thinking that Vivian Myers, she died penniless, and no yeah. one really knew about her photographic talent until her yeah. archive was discovered right that's right yeah. so that i mean so the book i i love i've just looked it up so but it's um it's vivian Meyer, street photographer and i think um the thing i loved about it was that it reminded me it it was kind of it was kind of like a well firstly the photography was just just tight like just it, it captured a moment in time which i I, I, you know, I think photography in its essence is, is that it's, it's being able to transport you to a place mm -hmm. and you know that from, you know, the incredible work that's gone on in, 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 you know, motion pictures and, and we've all been transported there by, by them, but to, to show the reality, um, mm. what she did, um, I, you know, I always really loved Diane Arbus's work and, and then that book came out and then I found out the story behind it and and I was just utterly moved by the fact that she had no want to make something of those pictures they were just for her and for her you know the process was everything mm. going out and fulfilling her creative process and it, it resonated a lot with me because of my dad and, mm. and because of the way that he approached photography and the way that, um, you know, he, he never really sought out any recognition for his work. And I think if he was alive today, he'd probably, I hope he'd be pretty proud of me of all of the things that I've done. But, um, mm. you know, I think, um, I think that's why that, that book particularly, you know, 
got me got me going and mm. and i think that's the one i always return to if i pick a book off the shelf that will be the one uh camera that's that's a dead sir um i had a mamiya six oh yeah with a with a really beautiful 50 mil lens on it uh, i think it's a 50 50 mil yeah um what can i say it's just you know i i had it for about three years and i don't think it let me take a bad picture it mm. was one of those ones where i didn't use it enough because it was square format but i always i always loved square format because you never had to worry about landscape or or portrait you just mm. it you know you found and and and, and especially when I'd been taught at Falmouth a lot about the visual language and, you know, the seven major points of it. And the one that really stuck with me was, was space, the last, the last aspect of the visual language and negative mm. space. And, and that lens just lent to shooting people quite small in the frame. So you crop them off at waist height and then get a lot of like peripheral vision. And I always, I, I really just loved that. I think, you know, that, aesthetic is is just always going to do it for me so um so yeah i i did a lot of lovely portraits of people in jaywick in uh in rural essex or in coastal essex rather um one of the most beaten up towns in in the country but there was some amazing amazing people there and you know portraits kind of similar to um arbus and and actually getting to know some of the people up there was quite a you know it's a good time in my life so i always have fond memories of that camera and you know shooting black and white film and and really you mm. know enjoying that process enjoying in the same way that that perhaps vivian Meyer did mm. lovely excellent and they're all be perfect for instagram because they're square <laughs> <laughs> sorry i always have to yeah. kind of finish on a clip yeah you, you, know. you, you always have to ruin it at the end greg nice one <laughs> greg <laughs> You know, I was welling up there. And then, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? If you would like, also, I'm sure you're already aware of his work, but you like that Americana realist, well, real stuff. There's yeah. the photographer Ouija, who is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, uh, you, he's yeah. the run and gun guy with the flash. That's, that's the guy. And do you, do you know? Do you know the story about him? I there, so, well, I don't. But tell me. Well, so so Ouija, so for the listeners, Ouija is like one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he has an amazing book called Murder Is My Business. It, if you're, you know, not au fait with... murder. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. But it's, he's an interesting guy, right? So that that time, that period, so the Vivian Myers Ouija kind of era, he um, he basically lost all his money in a game of craps, I think it was, with the guys with all the with all the other newspaper photographers we've, we've all been there we've, we've all, been. all been there we've all been there we always get together for our game of craps and um, <laughs> shooting craps in the alley and he then lost all his money lost his pay packet and then moved into the room where the ticker tape was because obviously news used to come into the newspaper on a ticker tape and so that is how he got the nickname Ouija because he'd be asleep the ticker would go off he would then all the other newspapers, the photographers are waiting till the morning to pick the ticker up and then they'd go. But he would always turn up on the crime scenes before the police because he would always get the ticker first because it would wake him up. Wow. And that is how he got the name Ouija after the Ouija board because then no, no one quite understood how he would turn up every all these murders. <laughs> That's 
excellent. Well done. Yeah, so I never I've, knew that. About thing. Yeah, I've, always, I've always loved it. Always loved I've, that story. Well, I've always loved, um, you know, I think photographers are an incredible um, breed of of you know men and women yeah. and i think um you know we're and i i i kind of i i like to be able to cite myself as one although i'm not as good as you know all the people that i thankfully employ um but um i i i think um one of the things i really like about them is they 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 kind of like us you know a little bit of danger they're like you know there's a little bit of you know, just just doing things that perhaps being a little bit of a maverick about things. I really like that. I I think it's a it's a you know endearing quality. You should all keep that. We do love danger. Mm. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> well, Aaron, listen. That, that yeah, <laughs> it's it's been fascinating to hear from you, and I hope. Uh, I mean, I I know that there'll be some some brilliant bits of information and and knowledge there that hopefully people will find of use um uh following you don't get too many emails to gail yes no. well i you know i'll know who's listened to this podcast when we're like, that's, you know, that's it listening. right that's it i'll, I'll just blame you two and uh, well, the challenge you. folks <laughs> <laughs> i think uh you know i'm I, as i say i'm happy i'm happy to uh, be called gail as long as you don't mind me calling you your surname in return so. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fine. Well, it's been fantastic having you on. Really appreciate you giving us your evening and uh, and spending so much time with us. Oh no, um, thank you for having me along. It's been fun. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to check out more uh, episodes, you could head along to our website, which is exposednegative.com. You can find us on Twitter at exposednegative and on Instagram at xnegative, that's E-X-negative. And you can also follow us both along personally. Uh, Tom is uh, on Instagram, he's uh, at tombarnes.com, and I am at Greg Pennell. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. <laughs>